We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. I've been preaching this series on the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I can't get away from it. And so today I want to continue in that theme, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And the title of it is Missing the Mark. Have you ever missed the mark? Uh, The Bible tells us that when we sin, the word sin literally means you miss the mark. God has a mark for all of us to hit. Uh, God has this place he wants all of us to get to in our relationship, and sometimes we miss the mark. And so today I want to talk about missing the mark, and I believe within the first three minutes, a lot of you will learn something you've never heard of before. First three minutes, that's a good challenge. Here we go. Mark chapter 7 verse 13 says this, Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition, and that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. I've talked about how that sometimes we have traditions that override the word of God and we dilute the truth. And I've said that diluted truth is polluted truth. We need the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. It needs to be concentrated today, right? We need the powerful truth of the word of God. It will change your life. It will change my life. We need the truth. So today, missing the mark. Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Immediately, underline that word, highlight it in your Bible, whatever you need to do. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. Told his disciples, immediately, get in the boat. He had a crowd. When you see the word immediately there, you got to go, what just happened? So Mark is the author of the book, Mark, and we're talking about missing the mark. So when I ask people throughout the years, can you name the disciples? They go, sure. So there's 12. Okay, we got it. Well, what are they? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Stop. Mark is not a disciple. What? I told you. First three minutes. Mark is not a disciple. As a matter of fact, most theologians will tell you that Mark never met Jesus personally. Mark spent a lot of time talking with Paul and talking with Simon Peter, mostly Simon Peter. So most of the things that Mark writes here is stories he's been told by Simon Peter. And if you look at the book of Mark, most of it is about the second half of the life of Jesus Christ and mostly about the final week of Christ because that's what Simon Peter loved to talk about. And so we understand that these stories Mark is writing about is very important and it's also this second part, the second half of the life of Jesus Christ. Mark was known by, his real name was John Mark. Uh, John was his Hebrew name, and Mark was his Roman name. And so now we've got this background, and so Mark says, immediately. Immediately from what? Well, if you back it up just a little bit, you'll find a great story that we all do know. A tradition, 
that we've talked about. Jesus has got thousands of people who've come to hear him preach, and now they're all hungry. And the disciples are going, what are we going to do? And Jesus says, what do we have? Don't you love it when he goes, what do we have? What do we have to work with? And he had a few fish and some bread, and so we know the story. He took the bread, he took the fish, he blessed it, he broke it, and he fed thousands upon thousands of people. So much was there, they ate to their full. Don't you love it when you eat a meal and you go, I'm full. Whew, can't breathe. I love that. They ate to their full, and then they took up basketfuls of food. What a miracle. Isn't that amazing? And, and the disciples were there, thousands of people were there. It was a phenomenal event. And Simon Peter tells this to Mark. He writes it down. Writes it down. And then Jesus tells the disciples, immediately they get the leftovers. I'm sure one basket for each disciple, they start eating. He goes, okay, guys, get in the boat. And they get in the boat. Now look at Mark chapter 6, verse 46. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. I love Jesus. We're cool because he loves mountains. How many of you like mountains? I love the mountains. Uh, all of my life I spent in, in this part of the country, and so I'd all, only seen the Appalachian Mountains. And so I thought, man, those are magnificent mountains. And then we, we had our ministry take us to Colorado area. What? These are mountains, the Rocky Mountains. They're phenomenal. I love them. And so we spent 15 years in the Rocky Mountain area, and I loved everything. And one night I went to take Miss Sandy for her birthday. We drove into this town at night. The next morning I opened up the room door, and I looked out, and I went, Oh, my Lord. She said, What is it? I said, You've got to come and see this. And I opened up the door, and there was Ure, Colorado. In all of its splendor, snow was everywhere. It was magnificent. I love the mountains. Jesus loved the mountain. And every time he, he, he performed a big miracle, he, he would always retreat to a mountain, and he retreated to this mountain. Why? So he could pray. Pray. So the question is, is does Jesus really need to pray? What is prayer for? Why are we told to pray? I think that's a great question theologically because Jesus is part of the Trinity of the Godhead, right? Got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Well, if he's God, is he simply talking to himself? There's been a few times I've walked in the house and caught Sandy talking to herself. And I don't think that's prayer, me talking to myself. Yeah. I've talked to myself. We've all done it, right? Mumbling. Whatever. Jesus is not there talking to himself. Jesus was born of flesh and blood, and on this earth, God the Father is still up in the heaven. God the Holy Spirit is still there because he's not yet been told to come down because Jesus is here. And so for the first time ever, there's a separation. I mean, in the book of Genesis, it tells us, let us make man in our image. They're all present. They're all together. 
We, we understand that in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 it says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's Emmanuel, right? But he's on the earth. He's separated. Colossians 1, 15 through 17 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. So Jesus was there for creation. In him were all things created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. So he's part of the Godhead. He's part of the Trinity. Why does he need to pray? Because... Prayer takes us into the presence of God. Jesus is separated on earth. He's dealing with all of humanity. And he wants to just get into the presence of the Father. Get into the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need to pray today. We don't just pray because we always have to have something. You know, I don't want my kids to only come to me when they want something. I'd like for them to call me when they don't want anything. I would like for my friends to want to hang around me when they don't just want something from me. Jesus was going into the presence of God and the Holy Spirit because he's just performed this magnificent miracle and he just wants to go and just be in the presence of God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a wonderful time of rest? Don't you just love it? Just Sometimes you just go, man, I'm just exhausted. I'm worn out. I just need to get into the presence of God. Let him speak to my spirit. Let him speak to my mind. Let him begin to get all things calmed down. He went there. And I want to tell you why. Hebrews 5.8 says this. The son, though he was... He learned obedience from what he suffered. Jesus learned, I need to pray. <laughs> Why? I need to get into the presence of God the Father. I need to get into the presence of God the Holy Spirit. Why? Because of all the things he suffered. Yeah. And isn't that the same reason you and I sometimes need to get into the presence of God the Father? God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I mean, I've got Jesus already sitting beside the Father and he's interceding for me. And so the Bible says, I want you anytime you want to to walk boldly into my throne room and, and lay your petitions at my feet. And so I lay them there and then I just like, can we just hang out? Can we just hang out for a while? I need refreshing. I need to get my mind right, my attitude right. The Bible says the same attitude that Christ has, I'm supposed to have the same attitude. And how many know that dealing with life sometimes, you get the wrong attitude. The only way I get it straightened out is in the presence of God. There, there's times to where things get going so fast and I get exhausted doing all these other things and I've got to just go, I need to get to the mountain. <laughs> I, I need to get to the place to where I'm away from people. And I just need to get some time with God. I need to get into his presence. I want you to understand this. If you go back and look, I read it. He said, get in the boat. I'll meet you on the other side. That's a key. Get in the boat. I'm going to meet you on the other side. Now look at verse number 47. Later that night... 
The boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land. So Jesus left the crowds, left the basketfuls of food. He goes, I got to go to the mountain. I want to spend some time with my Father, with the Holy Spirit. I need refreshing, renewing, reviving. And he put the disciples in the boat and he said, I'll meet you on the other side. So later that night, he's up on the mountain. They are in the middle of the lake in a boat. Verse 48. From the top of the mountain, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly after dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. So in the middle of the night, he saw them straining, rowing the boat because there was a wind. But it wasn't until dawn he went out walking on the lake. Now, he told them, I'll see you on the other side. So, he was about to pass them by. Jesus was about to do a pass by. His goal, I'm going to meet you on the other side, right? So, Jesus had the mindset, you guys get in the boat. Go to the other side. I'll meet you there. While he's praying, he looks out over the lake. And he goes, oh, okay. They're straining. It's just a little bit of wind. No big deal. And so I'm going to wait. I'll have enough time. I'm going by the top of the water. I'm walking. They're rowing. I'm still going to see them on the other side. And he was about to pass them by. No problem, right? You see, this thing, this pass-by thing has happened before. Remember this guy named Moses? Moses. It happened with Moses and it happened with Job. But look at Exodus thirty-three nineteen, And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. Some translations say glory. Pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. God wanted Moses just to get a glimpse of just the backside of him because he knew that in his temporary human form, his body couldn't handle full-on face-to-face glory. So he said, I just want you to know who I am. And so I'm going to do a pass by. You, you kind of get ready, get in the rocks there and, and make sure you, you guard yourself. But I'm going to do a pass by and I want you just to see a glimpse of who it is you are serving and how mighty and how awesome I am. I believe that this was the intent of Jesus too. I've just performed this great miracle. Now I'm about to do a pass-by, walking on the... These guys are going to look and go, whoa! Right? So cool. He said he'd be this. Dude's walking on the water. Yeah. The disciples did not see glory. All they saw was we are straining at the oars. The wind is blowing. We're having a hard time. Life is getting tough. It's not easy sailing. And what? There's a ghost. (laughs) Did not matter. They all cried out. Ah! 
A bunch of girls, not girls. Girls probably wouldn't have cried out. If there would have been girls on the boat, they went, cool. Bunch of disciples, ah! It says, look at this, Mark 6, 50. Because they all saw him and were what? Terrified. Immediately, here's this immediately again. Jesus had to do things quick on the fly. Immediately, he spoke to them and said this, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. No. He's walking. I just want them to see that how awesome I am. No, no. Take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. There's so many times Jesus gets so aggravated with these disciples. Remember when he was up on the mountain again, the Mount of Transfiguration, and they're down there praying for this little boy, and, and Jesus comes down and goes, oh my goodness, how long am I going to put up with you? <laughs> Have you ever felt that way about some people? Oh my goodness! Have you not learned anything I've been trying to teach you? That's what Jesus is saying. He said, what in the world? They missed the mark. The mark was, I want them to see me for, whoo, look at me. I mean, he's walking on the water. This dude's bad. This is awesome, Jesus. Never saw this before. Look at him. Whoa. Let's go faster. Let's see if we can catch him. Come on. No, they were terrified. They were not saying, this truly must be the son of God. They're crying out, help us, help us, help us. Mark 6, 51, then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down and they, then they were completely amazed. That's, that's what you're amazed about? Me climbing in the boat, calm waters, calm wind, that's what amazes you? I was walking on water. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. How many of you know that every time we call out to God, He will answer us? He's faithful. Whenever we have strong winds blowing against us, when in life we're straining against the oars, there are times we cry out, Lord, help me! And we need Him. And guess what He does every time? He climbs in our boat. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of things that happen that I don't understand, never will understand. This week, I saw the headlines as you did. It was horrible. This little six-year-old girl gets off the bus, and the next thing they find her, where somebody's killed her. I don't understand. I don't understand how students can be, you know, in a track uh, class, and they're running with their schoolmates, and some guy run into them with a car, and, and a couple of them are killed. I don't, I don't understand, but I know this that God is awesome, that God is magnificent, and that every time I cry out to him, he will answer me. And he can get in our boat, and he can help us in life. But I believe sometimes that God is wanting us to go beyond just crying out when we are in trouble. I believe sometimes 
He wants us not to miss the mark, but to hit the mark and go, God, you are awesome. Let me show you why. Rewind. You want to do your, my rewind with me? Rewind. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Look at Mark chapter 4. So if you're going by chapters, two chapters earlier, if you're going by days, it's not too many days hence. Look at Mark 4, 35 through 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. So what? We're going to the other side, guys. This time, let's do it together. Let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. So it was that was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Why? Because he said, let us go to the other side. He's asleep on the cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we drown? He got up, rebuked the winds, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the winds died down. It was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were what? Oh, these disciples. Terrified. And they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Don't you care? Of course Jesus cares. Today, if any of you are here and you're asking, does he care? Of course he cares. That's why he went to all the trouble of bringing creation about through him and for him. That is the reason why he came through the birth of a virgin that's why he announced it to just a few people. I said it Wednesday night. If I was God, boom, here's how I would have come into the world. I mean, I'm taking golden staircase from heaven down. I've got trumpeteers blowing. I've got cherubim. I've got seraphim flying around. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I'm taking a strict, and I'm walking down with some attitude. That's how I would have done it. But he didn't do it that way. He came through a virgin, a young girl. He, he came and was born flesh like you and me. He lived like, like we did. He, he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. He was crucified, hung on a tree, mocked, humiliated. He was buried for three days. After that, he rose again. And for 40 days, appeared to so many people. And then in front of 500 on the Mount of Olives, he said, the same way you see me go, I am coming back. Does he love you? Of course he loves you. Of course he does. Does he care? Of course he cares. I got to admit... There are times I'm a worrier. Any of you worriers? I'm a worrier. I'm like, God, why did you call me in the ministry? I'm not a good pastor. I'm a worrier. I worry about all kinds of things. I worry about stuff in my life. For several years now, I've been worried about dying because my dad died at 57. When I got close to 57, I'm thinking, this, this is it. I'm done. 
I'm toast. Anybody else have a, have a parent that died young and you had a kind of a fear about that? I did. And I worry about my wife because her father died at 47 uh, of issues with uh, his kidneys and things. And so got close to 47. I was worried about her. I don't want to live life without her. And then we had kids and stuff. And man, you worry a lot about your kids. And then they get grown and they leave out in the world and worry, worry, worry. Then as a pastor, I not only have my family to worry about, I got all your families to worry about. And I got to tell you, it's a lot. I mean, the prayer list this morning was about this long. People dealing with cancer. People dealing with life-threatening situations. I mean, it's a long list of people that I'm praying about. And sometimes when I live outside of faith, even for a moment, I'm terrified. I said, when I live outside of faith. We can get terrified when we live outside of faith. We can get terrified when Jesus has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and we forget about that for just a moment, and we're straining at the oars, and we're going, whoa, we, what? This is him? Oh, God, we need you. And he's like, what? I've already done so much for every one of you. I mean, I could just account in my life, my wife's life. I mean, God has healed me of cancer, her of cancer. God has, God has done so many things in our family. And then God has done so many miracles in the churches that we have pastored. I had a guy that was going to have a quadruple heart bypass on a Monday morning. We prayed for him on a Sunday night. Went up there the next morning. He goes, hey guys, I need you to, I need you to check this one more time. Do another heart cat. Zero blockages. I mean, it was 100% stuff. God has done so many things. So many miracles. I mean, fed thousands, literally, if you want to put it in that vernacular, and in front, right in front of every one of us, most of us here today, and yet whenever we have a hard time, we don't see him for his glory. All we see is, oh, we're terrified. And God's going, why are you terrified? You see, it happened when he was in the boat with them. They were terrified. And then just a little bit later, they're in a boat. I'm not getting in a boat with these disciples. I'm just not doing it. Every time they get in the boat, there's some strong winds that pop up. And every time they get in the boat, they start getting scared. I just don't want to get in the boat with those people. I want to get in the boat with some people that go, cool. Watch this. Watch this. In chapter 6, he does this great miracle. Basketfuls. And they just forgot it because they got in the boat immediately. And it's the same day of a miracle feeding thousands. They've got a strong wind and they're having to do a little bit of work. You know? Come on, you hear me? They're having strain in life just a little bit. I understand straining in life. It happens all the time. I understand going against the wind. The enemy brings wind against us every time. Why? Because he wants to slow us down. He wants us to get discouraged. He wants you to get terrified. Jesus, he will provide for us. He's like, guys, I just not only fed thousands, but each one of you had a basket full of foods you could eat. I mean, you just still got the same food in your belly. How quickly have you forgotten how much I can do? I don't want you. Watch this. Watch this. Look at verse 52. Mark 6, 52. 
For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. They didn't understand what they had just seen and what had just happened even though they ate it. They had soft bread, hard hearts. Jesus is wanting to take them to the next level of relationship. I don't want you to be in relationship for me for just what I can do for you. And a lot of times as Christians, we get locked up in that kind of a relationship. The only time we pray is when we need something. The only time some people come to church is when there's a storm. The only time that we want to spend time with him is when we have a wind blowing and we're straining. And Jesus is like, listen, I want to take you to the next level. I, I want them to remember the last time I was in the boat with them and I stood up and said, peace be still. Boom. I want them to have that faith. Because I told them, man, you guys, what happened to your faith? So this time... I want them to get in the boat. I told them, I'll meet you on the other side. This time I want them to get in the boat with the confidence they're going to see me on the other side. And then I'm going to go up and pray. And then my, my agenda is, I'm going to do a pass by. Hey guys, I'll see you over there in just a minute. I, I, I went, did some praying. I spent some time with the Father. Now I feel really good. Now let's go do some more ministry. And instead of them going, sweet, look at Jesus. He's awesome. He not only speaks to the wind and they obey. He not only speaks to the waves and they obey. The dude is walking on the waves. He's walking in the wind. That is so cool. I can't wait until I can do the same thing. No, that's not their response. They didn't believe what had already experienced in their life. And today I want to tell you as a church, what God has already done for us, we need to step back sometimes and believe it. Don't just say, well, because you know what? I hear a lot of stories sometimes. People go, well, back in 1939, we had a real good service. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, back in, you know, the 1990s, we had a good church. Yeah, I've heard those stories. I was a part of some of those stories. I've seen people now, people don't believe this, but I've seen people slain in spirit and fall through a pew. I don't know how it happened. We're praying for a young lady. We prayed for her. The Holy Spirit laid her out, and from here up was underneath the pew. And my wife was there, I was there, and we don't know how it happened. Everybody around us, what? That's crazy stuff. We have a God that can handle all the molecules and everything. You know, he created this stuff. And I had a young man whose arm couldn't open, and all of a sudden he stood in the back and yelled out, Look, Pastor, it's healed! It's healed! That'll get you a revival right there. But so many times, all we want to do is see what God can do for us. This is still our struggle today. We don't like the wind. We don't like the strain. We don't like it when life gets tough. And then we say, Jesus, don't you care? But I believe today he wants us to hit the mark and get stronger and go deeper. I, want, I believe he wants us to look and say, I want you to not see the fish in the bread. 
I don't want you to see the wind stopping. I don't want you to see the waves slowing down. I know you care for me. I want to get a glimpse of your glory. I want to see you for who you are. Not just what you can do for me. You see, in relationship, I love it when relationship goes to the next level, don't you? So that in my marriage, I don't want it to be, well, she only loves me because of all the things I do for her. But no, she loves me because of who I am. Who I am. Jesus has a plan he wants you to look at him and go, look, look at me. Don't look to me. Look at who I am. And man, the worship was awesome this morning. And it was revelatory if we got into it. He says, I want you to see me for who I am, not for what I can do for you. And I believe today there are times we miss the mark so many times because all we want are fish and bread. And he's like, but... What about me? I love you. Why would you ever ask, don't I care? Of course I care. Of course I understand the straining. I understand the wind and the waves. I have the ability to peace be still. But don't let that be the reason why you look to me. The reason why that you look to me is because you know who I am. I told you I would see you on the other side. The last time I told you, let us go to the other side. But have you found out so many times we don't listen? We don't hear. And I believe Jesus wants to speak to your hearts today and say, I want you to hear. I want you to listen. Never doubt that I love you, no matter what the storms are in your life. Never doubt that I am with you. Never doubt that I can make the wind stop and the waves to settle down. Don't doubt that. But also have the confidence that I got you. We're going to the other side. Hallelujah. I'll see you on the other side. Now, I got that confidence today. I don't know how I get out of here. And neither do you. It may be cancer. It may be drowning. Maybe a car wreck. I don't know. God has that all taken care of. I don't know what kind of wind's going to blow or what kind of straining I'm going to do before I get out of here. But I am confident of this one thing. I will see you on the other side. When I get there, he's going to be waiting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The wind may be strong. My job is to strain. Because I'm living by faith. I'm straining by faith. I may have a lot of wind blowing against me. I may be having some waves splash up on me. That's okay because you know what? I'm going to see him. Uh, I'm about to get my preach on here in just a minute. I'm going to see him on the other side. 
I don't care what you're going through in life today, church. You've got to have the confidence. I will see him on the other side. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know why he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it. But I know that I know that I know. He may have been talking to Paul when Paul says, I have this confidence. I am persuaded that nothing will separate me from God. And I am persuaded that God is able to do anything I need him to do. We say today, nothing is impossible with God. I don't need to look to him to feed me. I need to look to him as my king of kings and my lord of lords who's got me in his hand. Hallelujah. I'm going to see you on the other side. He's not going to forsake me. I'm going to see you on the other side. He's not going to leave me. He's got my hand. He's walking with me. I'm going to see you on the other side. I don't care how bad it hurts. I don't care how bad it gets. I'm going to see you on the other side. Somebody shout. Somebody give God glory. Why? I'm going to see you on the other side. Hallelujah. We've got to hit the mark. The mark is not looking at him for what he can do, but it's looking to him for who he is. Wow. My God. That is who you are. Who you are. You see, that's all he's ever wanted from us is relationship. He created Adam and Eve for relationship. He creates you and I for relationship. Not just a vending machine, I need you to do this, do this. I'll see you the next time I need you to do this. No, no, relationship. Where we go to the mountain. Not asking for anything. That's how he taught us to pray. He said, this is how you pray. Just come into my presence go, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. A lot of times we go in there, Lord, I don't know what you got going on, but you better listen up to this. I need you to do this, 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 and this, and you need to hurry up about it. Let's go. He's going, you missed the whole reason for prayer. The whole reason for prayer is presence. I want you to spend some time in my presence to get refreshed, to get renewed. If those disciples, man, they got out of his presence so quick. It can happen before you get to your car today. Wind can blow hard before you get to your car. The storm could come in before you get to your car. You're going, oh, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. And you were just in this service. I don't know if you care about me. I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can help me pay my water bill or my light bill or my electric bill. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And you were just in this service. Hope the Holy Spirit. How long? How long? Well, I put up with your small faith. Listen. He's got this. I don't care what you're going through today. And I know that in this room with this many people, there are so many things. So many reasons the wind is blowing and the waves are crashing. But I've got this confidence to tell you this. I will see you on the other side. We cannot miss the mark. Let's hit the mark today with Jesus and say, hey, when you walk by, when you do a pass by in my life, 
I'm not going to get terrified. I just want to see your glory. Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.